You're listening to a message from Streams Church in Litchfield Park, Arizona. For more content, visit streamschurch.org. And now, Pastor Lloyd Baker. Um, last week we started a series about family values. We made some statements that are incredibly pertinent to the ever-changing culture that we live in to today. And the problem is it causes great tension and temptation to people who have decided to follow after Jesus Christ. That if we decide to follow New Testament family biblical values, which is God's perfect ideal, it's going to fly directly in the face of the deeply embedded grain of our popular culture and the way that they operate, which is what we live and its reality. It's going to be radical. It's going to be outside the box. It's probably going to be different than whatever you've been taught, what you've experienced, what is the norm. Um, and we also stated that when Jesus came, he extended grace, love, and forgiveness to everybody who didn't make the value. But that doesn't mean, just because he extended that, that he lowered the standards. In fact, if you read the New Testament, if you read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5-7, through you'll find out that Jesus is constantly raising the bar while extending love and grace. Uh, the standard got higher and grace got deeper. I, Jesus said, I have grace and forgiveness for those who have not achieved, achieved, but I refuse to lower the standard because and the reality is that we all sin, right? And we all live in sin and we've all sinned. And so that moment that you live in that reality, you have an option. Are you going to lower the standard so that you can feel good about your situation? Or will you maintain God's perfect ideal, his standard, and receive the grace of God for the times that you fall short. And that's the tension. The tension is this. Will we embrace the standard that many of us have fallen short with, or will we change the rules so that we feel better about our present situation or living in today's culture? Excuse me. (coughs) Are we willing to establish a biblical family value, even though we might not live up to it, or will we do the easy thing and abandon the value and declare our reality is normal. And as a church, we must humbly extend grace and forgiveness to all who do not achieve without ever lowering the bar of God's perfect ideal standard. So today I want to ask you a question. You can raise your hands, okay? This is a participation question. How many sitting here today would love to reduce relational stress and conflict in your family? Okay, good. I didn't check the room, but I think every hand... Let me tell you why every hand went up. Because conflict with the family is common to all of us. If you have family, you have conflict. We all face it. We all fuss. We all fight. Here's a negative truth. I'm going to give this to you. When you win an argument in your family, you never really win. (laughs) You can win an argument in the office. You can win an argument in the courtroom. And you can win an argument in the boardroom. And there's a reward for that. It's a high five, way to go, good job. But if you win an argument in the living room, (laughs) or you win an argument in the bedroom, (laughs) you lose. Because your conflict is never really resolved. There's no win. You might feel good about winning the argument, but the truth of the matter is, the hurt feelings remain. And conflict within family, whether at home or church family, is like no other conflict in the world. Uh, the problem is, when we deal with conflict, is that each of us process conflicts uh, in a different way. We don't always uh, do it in the same ways. There are some people sitting here today that are peacemakers. 
They just won't ever enter into battle. And it's like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And when the, is everybody okay? Are you all right? You know what I mean? Let me make the boo-boo go away. It's, you know what I mean? The problem with peacemakers is that you can't even get them to push back against you. I mean, if, you, if, if you're fine, then they're fine. As long as everything's at peace, you know, so they don't tell the truth because the win for them is just to keep the peace. And that's the peacemaker. There are some people sitting here today that are sulkers. You know, sort of like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> okay? So after the conflict, they mope around, sometimes for days. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Do you want to talk more? No, no, it's okay. It's all right. You win. I lose. I'm worthless. Happy birthday to me. (laughs) It's just, there's just that sense of them, right? Uh, There are people sitting here. It's the stuffer. You know, is everything okay? I'm fine. You sure you're right? Yeah, I'm fine. It's okay. Let's move on. (laughs) Let's forget about it, right? Most of us probably sitting here today are litigators. You are great arguers. No one likes to argue with you because you always are, you're never wrong. You always win, right? In fact, if I was to say to you, you're never wrong, are you? You think for a second, go, no, actually I'm not. (laughs) And it's not that I can't admit that I'm wrong. I'm just never wrong. (laughs) And you win every argument because no one wants to argue with you. So you always think you're right. And in fact, you've got the whiteboard hidden in the closet, just ready to pull out to draw your graphs and your, your charts and your bullet points. And the problem is that when you win the argument at home, you never really win anything because all you've done is shut everybody up because they don't want to argue with you anymore. And then there's the screamer. They just have to yell. Their volume and pitch constantly increases. And if you grew up in a family of screamers, you probably married somebody other than a screamer and probably other than a litigator. And so your first argument as a family, as, as a couple, you just got everything out on the table. And you go, Whew, I feel so much better now that I've got that off my chest. And your spouse is like, demon, come out. <laughs> right, it's... You're oblivious to the issue. And you even quote scripture. The Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And it is two minutes until sunset. Ah! Praise God. I feel so much better. And you try to explain to them that they need to quit stuffing. And they try to explain to you that you need to quit yelling. And life becomes so complicated because we all deal with conflict in a different way. And as long as there's family, there's going to be conflict. And so today's principle is so practical. It's so powerful and profound. And what we're going to learn today is this, is there is really only one source of conflict. See, I'm telling you right now, I wish I had learned this earlier in my life and my marriage. I wish I always figured it out in today's present. There are lots of approaches to conflict. There are lots of responses to conflict, but there's really only one source to conflict. And, and if we can take a hard look at it, if we can own it, everyone in our family own it, if we can understand what God's perfect ideal is, and if we make a commitment not to diminish his ideal, not lower the bar to make us feel better about what is real in our family, It will radically change the dynamics in your family environment 
and change how you view not only your family, but everyone that God loves so much. And if everyone in your family can wrap their mind around this concept and own it individually, the tension, the tone will significantly change and conflicts will decrease in your family. Um, It's the idea that there's only one source to all conflict. And this is how powerful the principle is. So it's found in James chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. And if you'd like to, you can open your Bibles there or the, the scriptures will be on the screen. Here's a good question. What causes fights and quarrels among you? The answer is pretty simple, right? She does. <laughs> or he does, okay? Or they do. Do you remember Adam's response to God when he asked the question, Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And Adam said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. It's not my fault, it's her fault, and and in fact, God, really, it's your fault. (laughs) It's always somebody else's fault, right? And maybe you're not that bold, but when you're asked a question, what... You know, what causes fights and quarrels among you? You say, well, there's a million different reasons because there are a million different people, uh, scenarios, and, and it's so broad. And that's why you can never resolve the conflict because you can't identify the source of the conflict. Uh, so James is going to do that for you. He's going to tell you what is the one source of the conflict. And here it comes. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And he says, it comes from something inside of me that I want... Right, And it doesn't come from the other person. The quarrels and fights in my family come from something uh, inside of me. And we think they come from something inside of them or something that they've done. And James says, no, 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 no. There's a common enemy. And the common enemy is this. It's the root of all quarrels and all fights. The side of you is this desire. And in every single conflict you've ever had with every person, there is a desire in you that is spilling out over the people around you. There's a conflict inside of you, and it's always creating conflict with another person. Now, if you'll stop right here, right, and listen to what I'm about to say. If you will pause a second and quit second-guessing everything I'm about to say, right? If you could own just this one part, that's one part, that within you, not the other person, within you, there is an unfulfilled desire that is the root of all conflict. It will immediately change the dynamics of your relationship with your family. Here it is. This is a conflict. You desire, but you do not have. Every time there is a conflict, you want something and you're not getting what you want, so you fight for it. Every time there's a conflict with you or your family, it's over the same, even if it's over the same thing over and over and over again, it's because you want something and you're not getting your way. This is what James is saying. No, it's, it's something I deserve. It's something they promised. It's something in the marriage contract. I No, no, no. I hang in there. Stay with me. Don't bail on me. Every time there's a conflict in your family, it's because it's something that you want that you don't have. Listen to what James says happens. So you kill. You covet. But you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Now, James is talking to believers. He's talking to to Christians, to people who follow after Jesus. 
He's not talking to inmates in prison. This is hyperbole. He says, it's extraordinarily relevant to our discussion about families. Uh, Sometimes there are things that you want so badly, you desire so desperately, that you are willing to hurt the people that you love so much in order to get what you want. We found that to be true, haven't we? You want something from someone, you're willing to hurt and maim and even kill the relationship you want at that bat. It could be an issue of pride. I don't want to be embarrassed by your behavior. What people will think about me if you don't change. So I don't want to be embarrassed. It might be an issue of happiness. I'm not happy and if you would just do this, I'd be happy. It can be an issue of greed. I want the newest, and you said no. And if you had a better job, and you made more money, and you know you need to further yourself, and you need to go in and fight for that position because it's greed. It could be an issue of authority. How dare you do this to me? It can be an issue of insecurity. I'm afraid of... And you're not dealing with this for me. You're you're not taking this seriously. Don't you get the situation? Do you not understand what's happening right now? Because if you did, it's insecurity. You would. And here's how we defend it. I just want the best for him. I just want the best for her. I just want my wife, my husband, my child to reach their full potential. He's worth so much more. Our family deserves more. I'm doing all this for us. So therefore... And we lie to ourselves. It's about you. And you want something you're not getting. And you're going to use your words and your actions to get what you want, even if it's at the expense of the people that you love. And let me tell you why it's so prevalent in our families. Because it's so prevalent in our society. Uh, Last week we talked about Jesus. And uh, when he was asked a question, he went all the way back to the beginning and said, I know what our culture says, But let me tell you what God says about this subject. And if you'd like to find out about that, you can go to uh, our website and get on the podcast and listen to that. Um, He reached way back to the original intent and said, I know that we have gone as a culture so far away, but let me tell you what God says about this. Now, James speaking to believers that are together living, but they're living in a stressful conflict within the confines of the church. So I want to go back to the very first church and see how they operated together. That's found in Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 through 46 says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and a fellowship and the breaking bread and to prayer. And everyone is filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and all the believers were together and they had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That was the first church. Doesn't sound like a lot of conflict, does it? But something happened between the first church and the church that James is speaking to. And one of the things that happened is found in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. This is interesting. In those days, when the numbers of disciples was increasing, so the church was growing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebrew Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Conflict. 
I'm not getting what I deserve, what I want. They're taking something because they feel like they deserve it and they want it. And what happened is the Hebrew Jews felt like they were the purest form of Christians because they never adopted the Greek culture language. They never gave in to the culture of the day. The Hellenistic Jews uh, were tainted, according to them, because they adopted the Greek culture and the Greek language before they came to Christ. So when, when all the food was being distributed and all the widows came first, those who were distributing the food went to the Hebrew, the pure ones, and gave the food to them first because they hadn't tainted themselves. And then later, the Hellenistic Jews came in, you know what I mean? And the widows, and there just wasn't enough or whatever like that. And they're being overlooked. And conflict happens. So they come to the leaders of the church and they say, you need to do something. And they do. And they put in a great plan. And it helps. Now, that begin to go down the societal realm because of what society said. The Jewish society said they are better than these groups of people. This this people group's better than this people group. And we've even seen that in our own American culture, haven't we? Our founding father says all people are created equal. They have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But there came a time as we went through our society that one people's group pursuit of happiness overran another people's group pursuit of happiness. And they became suppressed. And what happens? Conflict happens. But that's not the way we intended it, was it? And so it happens here. So now James is having to address believers and the source of conflict. And he says that your selfish desires. And this is in the church. I understand that confrontations are going to happen. I get that. We need to deal with issues in order to be a civil society. Um, Families need to deal with issues within the family unit. That's not the point. The point is this. When we deal with issues, why do we quarrel and fight? When we have to deal with issues, why are we fighting all the time? Why do we argue and why do we hurt each other? Why are we willing to hurt the ones that we love with our words and our actions? And there's only, only one reason. They come from the selfish desires within us to get our own way. See, the end game is not the same. If the end game was restoration and grace and love, and we dealt with issues with an understanding what the end game was, we would change the way we look at things. But it's really, I want my way, and you want your way, so we're going to fight for the territory. And what would happen if we understood this principle and we took ownership? If in the middle of your fight with your spouse, you stopped and said, Honey, just a second, I know what's happening here. It's me. And I want whatever it is. And I'm not getting my way. I do, I, I, you know, I, I feel like I deserve respect and I'm not getting it. I'm embarrassed by your behavior and I'm not getting it. I get it. It's me. There's something in me that wants something. And I want to take ownership for that. What if in the middle of the argument of your teenager, they, they paused, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, just... Just dream with me for a second, okay? And they paused and they said, you know what? I get it. It's me. I really want this. And you said no to this. Or dad stopped and said, I, you know, it's just this is driving me. I want you to be number one because of my pride. I realize it's my pride. And that's why I just keep getting on your case because I don't want to be. I just want, you know, I tell you why. The moment we take ownership, we have to stop. And consider our motives. The moment we take any part of ownership, the air gets let out of our balloon. Arguments settle into discussions. They change. 
And we won't do that because we have to give up what we want. We don't do that because then we're going to have to look in the mirror and really look at what's inside of us. Um, James is about to give us the answer. You ready for the answer? Here it is. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. What if before you went to war with your spouse, before you went into room to set your child straight, before you took on your boss, you stopped and prayed, sincerely prayed, not the change my wife prayer, okay, not the God help her understand that she would just, life would be better, not the God, please soften my husband's stubborn heart. Not that God, let my words be heard by my rebellious child, because if they would just understand, they would get it. You know, God gives me the words to speak, those heavenly words, those angelic words, so that I get my point across and they will change. And James says those are selfish prayers. They're just prayers to get what you want. There's something inside of you, so you're praying to God to help you get what's really inside of you. What if the prayer was this? God, before I deal with the issue, would you reveal to me the secrets of my heart? Would you help me understand that it's me and there's something in me that makes me feel this anger or this bitterness or whatever it is? There's something in me. What if your prayer was search me and see if there's anything wicked in me? If there's God, reveal my selfishness and help me Hear their heart. And then let our resolution, as we discuss this, be honoring to you and beneficial for everyone. What if that was your prayer? How would that change the conversation? How would that change the temperature in your household, the respect of your children? If both parties took a godly look at their motives and owned and owned it, their selfish desires, the tone would diminish greatly. And there's a great example of this found in Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 5. In your relationships with one another, okay, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. You don't understand who I am. I'm going to use this for a minute. He didn't do that. Rather, he made himself nothing, or one version says he made himself of no reputation. So any conversation that starts with, I need, I want, I deserve, or you, is usually driven by selfish ambition. And what if you started the conversation with this? I've been praying, and I realize that I've been selfish in my behavior by... I mean, even if it's only 10% or that you think, whatever that is. And I realize that that thing in me has caused stress in our relationship. And I want things to be good. I want things to be right again. How can I better respond to you and act in a way that we don't fight anymore? What if that's the way you started the conversation? You know what happens? That's going to douse the fire right away. And you're like, right, Pastor Lloyd. <laughs> yeah. This is the real world. <laughs> that is really unreal. That's, but that's the tension, isn't it? That is the tension. Are we willing to embrace biblical family values even though we may not live up to it? Or are we going to do the easy thing? 
and shelf the value and declare that our reality is normal. This is what I, what I deserve. And honestly, I have a hard time preaching sermons that convict me. On Saturdays, I, I change a lot. I act real nice because I'm like, man, I've got to preach a sermon tomorrow. <laughs> so my wife likes Saturday. And then Sunday after church, I am like, wow, I just preached that sermon. I better live what I, what I preached. And I have to preach it twice. So, <laughs> you know, really. Um, I wish I was better at this when I was younger, and I wish I continue to get better at this. Usually, um, I usually own my selfish desires, but oftentimes it's after the fact, um, after the damage has been done. But just because I act that way, I'm gonna, I refuse to abandon this value just because I falter. I'm going to receive God's grace, ask for forgiveness, and next time I'm going to approach it in a different way. I'm going to do my best to go to prayer and to ask God, what is it within me that makes me feel this way, that makes me act this way? And then approach it from that perspective so that, so that, right, the resolution is restoration in my family. Can you even fathom how different our families would look? how different our children would turn out, how different our marriages would be if we created a value of sincere, self-evaluating prayer before any conflict. That's my desire for all of us. Why do you have fights and quarrels amongst yourselves and the people you love? It's because you have this selfish thing in you. You desire what you want and you don't get it. So you fight and quarrel about it. And James says, here's the answer. Pray, ask God, what's it in me that I need to take ownership before I walk into this conflict and this issue? Uh, So I'm going to pray for you and uh, ask God to search our hearts. I want to let you know, too, that we have uh, water baptism right afterwards. You're welcome to stay as we sing the song. If you need to leave, we understand, but we're, we're excited about that. And so as we sing the song, I'll go get prepared. And uh, we're going to have a baptism here in a second. So let's pray. God, we just pray that you would search our hearts. Um, and I just want to confess the fact that I have selfish ambitions in me that really cause me to act in ways that are not honoring to you. And I thank you that um, you do forgive and you give grace and you give mercy. But I pray this. I pray, Father, that you'd give me a great understanding of how I can better serve you and serve my family. That you would open my heart to understand that you would shine the light within my own being so that I can understand what is not from you. That's just, it's my own selfish ambition. It's my pride. It's my arrogance. It's my insecurities that are really causing this issue and causing this quarrel and this fight. My demands to be respected, my my command to be obeyed, my drive to argument to control every situation. And let me be of no reputation, Father. I humble myself before you in in your presence, and I ask you to give me the same heart that you have for the people around me, for my wife and my children. And when I need to deal with an issue, give me the courage to to take ownership of my selfishness beforehand so that everything and all my discussions will lead to restoration, grace, and love. 
And so, Father, today I give you permission. Would you just give him permission? I give you permission to really reveal my heart and to help me understand why I am the way I am. And some of you may even need forgiveness that's causing these issues. So I just pray forgiveness upon people and grace, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you that you afforded that to all of us, that even when we don't meet the goal, you just give tons of grace. And so we receive all that in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Streams Church in Litchfield Park, Arizona. Visit StreamsChurch.org for service times, general information, and more.